Hello everyone, my name is Garrett Lamb, and this is Young Fundamentalist, helping to build up Christians through convicting and inspiring thoughts from God's Word, striving together to improve our love for God and our love for others. Hey everyone, my name is Garrett Lamb, and this is Young Fundamentalist, and today I've got a special guest, and I've been a longtime friend, known him since I was four years old, and he was my youth pastor. And now a close friend, get to travel with him. And today we have uh, Brother Abdel Judah on the broadcast. So good to have you, Brother Judah. Great to be here, man. Great to be here. Yeah. So what have you, uh, what have you been getting into today? You're, you're pretty busy or you got a lot of things going on? Um, you know, it's been a pretty simple day. I taught mm-hmm. my Old Testament class today from 9 to 10. And then uh, really, I'm just kind of relaxing a little bit this afternoon I'm going back at 2.30 to preach in the junior high mm-hmm. to run a uh, uh, soccer practice. So, yeah, nice. pr- pretty simple day today. Good. I was, uh, I was thinking about when I asked you about all the stories that we had from Landmark and so many crazy stories that we could tell. <laughs> but um, one story I want you to tell everybody is the story about um, you got a nickname you got a nickname called Sugar Lips. <laughs> I want you to I want you to tell everybody that that why that nickname came about. Okay. Well, just so everybody knows, none of this is is pre-rehearsed. So <laughs> I did not know that this question would be asked. <laughs> Sugar Lips. Um, we had a lady at our church, mm-hmm. uh, at Landmark there in West Virginia. And uh, she was a precious uh, lady who came every service. She was handicapped, mentally handicapped. And uh, we would pick her up and bring her to church. And and she was just great. But one day we were having a uh, handshaking time and kind of mass of people, everybody shaking hands with everybody. This is pre-COVID. And uh, uh, I just felt a a, uh, tap, you know. Kind of uh, <laughs> from behind, and I went stiff as a board. I turned around, like, who did that? And I looked out, and there she was, just looking at me. And uh, she, she said, kind of in her in her way and her voice, she said, uh, "Your name is Sugar Lips." <laughs> she said she said it like this: "Hey there, Sugar Lips." Hey, like that. Sugar wimps. So if you see it. Crush on me. And my wife wasn't around. She would, she would say things like that. And, uh, (laughs) but when my wife was there, she, she would, she would behave. So (laughs) (laughs) there you go. If if you know brother Judah, if you see him around next time you see him, you can say, Hey there, sugar wimps. So Uh, whatever happened to her, is she still there? I, I have no idea. I have no idea. I've not seen her there in years. Um, it's a shame. That'd be a that'd be a good reunion. You and <laughs> Sugar Whips back with her. There you go. And uh, today we uh, we're going to talk about a few things. Um, have a few questions here for Brother Judah, and uh, he has an amazing testimony. Um, for those of you who know him, you've heard this, um, but there are people out there that you don't know who Brother Judah is. So I'm going to have him uh, just give a brief. Um, a few minutes of his testimony and just a, a testimony that's been used of the Lord and uh, 
just something that, that is only something that God could do. And God has used that in his life and in his preaching. And so why don't you tell everybody um, in just a few minutes what, what your testimony is and, and kind of how you became um, Brother Judah now and, and a youth pastor. Right. Well, all of us have a story, and God's given all of us a, a, an individual story to tell. And uh, really, my story is, is precious to me. But um, I was raised, you know, mom and dad uh, together dad muslim and and frankly you know uh pretty well off financially and just through sin and and alcohol and challenges they got a divorce and that really landed us i was a teenager at the time and that really landed us uh in a bad part of town a poor part of town and uh, some bus workers came by and uh picked me up. I had never been to church before, picked me up for a goldfish Sunday. And, uh, I went to church for the first time and really took it all in the, the choir and the preaching and Sunday school and the bus, you know, singing and just loved it. And it was a couple months later after watching a thief in the night, a movie on the rapture of the church that I felt conviction that I wasn't saved. And then shortly after that, in a revival meeting, I, uh, I accepted Christ as my savior, went to camp that summer, got called to preach and, uh, and, uh, followed through, you know, a lot of people say those camp decisions are emotional decisions, but, but that was, um, 20 boy, 25 years ago. And, um, but it's just as real today as it was then when the Lord called me to preach and I surrendered and went off to Bible college, met my wife. And, uh, and then just sought the Lord's will. And as you know, the story from there, you know, I ended up, uh, working in West Virginia with your dad, uh, for mm-hmm. years and just served there. And it was a beautiful thing. And, uh, it was just a perfect match really. And God blessed it. And then, and then, uh, when it was time, he called me here to Hammond and, and I've been here ever since. So I, I, uh, I'm a youth pastor. That's all I've ever really known in the ministry is working with teenagers, preaching to teenagers. I travel, you know, most most weeks, and I'm privileged to to preach to groups of teens, and, and it's just a joy. You know, I love it. That's the short version. Yeah. How's that? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you could. We could spend the whole broadcast just on your we testimony. Broadcast and, uh, on my testimony. <laughs> yeah, be two hours long. Yeah. And, uh, and, and with that testimony, you know, there, there's people out there that are going to be listening that they aren't raised in a home like I was. Um, they weren't raised in a preacher's home. They weren't raised in a, in a house where mom and dad loved each other, um, where everything that they really needed was there. Um, and can you talk just a minute? What's, what is the best way for you as a youth pastor, but for anybody as a Christian in a church that has teenagers like that, what's the best way to encourage somebody that's been raised in a home that, that isn't a Christian environment? Well, what they need to see, in my opinion, is they need to see just, okay, boy, man, that's a good question. What stood out to me was just how different church was. 
everything was different. The, the music, the dress, the joy, the love, everything was different. And so when I walked into a church environment uh, and I saw the, the love for Jesus, I saw the passion, I, I saw the purpose. I mean, these people were driven to win souls and to serve God. That really did a lot for me. You know, I, I think that when we water it down and there's not much of a difference, people like me walk into the church and say, okay, well, you know, whatever. But for me, I just remember how different Sunday was and, and how different the Christians were. And uh, it made a big impact on my life, you know, seeing that clear line that this is the world that I live in, you know. Monday through Saturday, but, but on Sunday, there's a whole nother world. And, and the Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And we need to, so the best thing we can do is just present pure religion, man, undefiled, you know, on fire for God. And it'll attract, it'll attract people like me. Yeah. And, and I heard a teenager once say, uh, they said when they started coming to church, with, with this particular youth group, they said that, you know, I didn't see any change. And I felt like that was one of the most saddest statements that I could have heard from them was what they saw in their public school, what they saw in their world was the same thing that they saw in their youth group. And, and what you said is it's, it's so important as a kid coming from not a non-Christian environment or even an adult coming into a, a, a church, you know, that there should be a distinct difference between us and them it doesn't make us weird, but it, it makes us it different. It just, it just makes us different. And, and the Bible calls us a peculiar people. And, mm-hmm. and there's an attraction to that, you know, to, to a kid like me who was looking for something. Okay. I mean, I could have gone anywhere. I, I could have gone anywhere. But in God's providence, it was a church. And when I got there, I saw something that the world couldn't offer. You know, I love the name of your, your podcast, the, the Young Fundamentalist, because we should not be in the business of trying to offer what the world is offering. You know, we have something yeah. different to offer. Yeah. And, uh, and that was attractive to me. And so, yeah. Yeah. And later on in your testimony, um, if we were to talk about the whole thing, you would get into the relationship between you and your dad. And I want you to talk for a few minutes on there's many things that you've prayed for in your life and, um, and God's answered some prayers. And, and in this particular case, there's, there's going to be people that are listening that don't necessarily go to church, but they do believe in prayer. And can you talk a minute for your dad, he, he is not in church, um, still unsaved to your knowledge. Can you talk about being persistent in your prayer life and, and in those areas where you feel like you've been praying for a long time, but it doesn't see there's any result? Can you talk about um, in your personal life how you've stayed persistent in sure. prayer? I, uh, you know, we talk about my dad. It's, it's not something that I talk about in depth a lot. And it's certainly not something that I uh, put on a recording, just because he's not saved. 
And some right. of those things are just, you know, it's just, I'm waiting for God to do something. Um, but I've been praying for my dad's salvation for, you know, 25 years. And it's just one of those things where uh, the relationship was a difficult relationship. It was strained because of the divorce. And then even further strained because of my choices, you know, to follow the Lord. And that just was not a popular choice with him, with my grandpa. And so, uh, and so of course, I've been praying for, for his salvation. And for years, you know, what's funny is for years, I never said a word about my dad. It was actually at Landmark in a teen hour where, where I felt God just say this, this, this will help, you know, and I, I just told that story for the first time and I've still been, um, I've told it around the country, but I am very selective. I, I want to be spirit led when I talk about it, but to answer your question, you know, when you experience hurt like that at a young age, sometimes you can compartmentalize it and you just kind of put it in a box and don't open the box, you know, and, and I had done, it was at a camp at Mount Salem where a preacher preached and he really talked about praying for lost loved ones. And I don't know if he mentioned pray for your dad. I don't know what he mentioned, but something in that message uh, just got a hold of me and really showed me that I've stopped praying for my dad and so I, I really picked it up again, and, and I've been praying. And, of course, God has not seen fit to answer that prayer yet. We've seen conviction. We've seen my dad take steps. Um, sometimes it's two steps forwards, three steps backwards as he's trying to figure things out. I've given the gospel to him. Um, but you've got to stay persistent. And, you know, the Bible talks about importunity. It talks about asking and keep asking. and knocking and keep knocking and and not every prayer gets answered right away and so how important is it to you i think will determine how often you pray about it and with what with what fierceness you pray about it and uh and in my case this is a big deal and so i i do pray regularly and as i pray while i may not have received the answer that i wanted i can say that i've seen god work and god's changed me and uh, we're just going to keep praying. And there are so many testimonies that I hear. You know, I prayed for somebody for 30 years, 25 years. I hear it all the time. And then God answered the prayer. And it just it just gives me hope and belief and faith that he will. So, Yeah, and I wonder, Brother Judah, how many, how many prayers that people have prayed that they've given up on and those those issues or those problems or something they wanted to see were just left on the table and they were never answered because someone gave up on it. And you never know for us, we want it right here, right now. You know, if, if it's not in the next week, we don't think God hears us and we become very stale in that area, but to say, to stay persistent in those, yeah. in those areas, and, and it's that, just so important. That deepens our Christianity. You know, Paul mm. prayed three times that his thorn in the flesh would be removed and and god ended up giving him an answer that it's not going to happen you know i mean when it comes to prayer mm -hmm. this is not 
our manipulation of God to get what we want. <laughs> yeah. And that's what we right. need to figure out. Because when people approach prayer that way, and they don't get what they want, they tend to give up on prayer. But uh, prayer right. is so much more than that. And it is about pouring your heart out to a God, letting him hear you and, and uh, feeling his presence, letting him heal you, letting him answer. And sometimes the answer is a yes and no. But it, it draws you closer to God. It's a, it's a spiritual discipline that draws you closer to God. And it's true. You have not because you ask not. You know, and it was John R. Rice who said that, well, he had a dream that he died and got to heaven. And when he got to heaven, the angel showed him the warehouse and it was full of things, just full of, of course, he had, he was the editor of the Sword of the Lord. So printing presses and paper and all these things that he needed. And he said, what is this? And he said, oh, this is everything that you could have had if you would have prayed for it. <laughs> and he on prayer. Mm, that's so, good. Yeah, we can't give up on prayer. Yeah. And if there's there's people out there that are, are listening right now, whether they've been raised in their Christian home and they're they're in Christianity right now, or there's people that are listening that are wondering. And I want you to tell everybody why 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 is Christianity worth it? To you, what are what makes it worth it in the end? Um, for somebody that's struggling with it that's already already in Christianity, goes to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and they're just discouraged. And then also people that are, are just wondering from the outside looking in, you know, why is it yeah, worth well, it? Well, I, I would say, you know, there's, 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 an an, there's two answers to that question. You know, the, the first answer is God wants, to give a, God wants to give you eternal life. And the second answer is God wants to give you a blessed life. And so if there's somebody out there listening right now that's lost and they're not a Christian and they've never been born again, they're thinking about it, I would say to them, you know, eternity is real. And I would say to them, there's a heaven and there's a hell, and that's the Bible truth. And I would say to them that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Neither is there salvation in any other there's none other, other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. That's the name of Jesus. And so if you're struggling with Christianity, then I would have you think about your eternity. And I would say it's worth it to eternity in heaven. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, if you're a Christian and you're struggling to live for the Lord and you've been saved and you're asking yourself, you know, well, well, you know, why can't I? Why, why should I be all in, you know, with the Bible and all of that. That struggle's always there. You know, even in the book of Judges, they had to choose if they were going to follow Scripture or the gods of this world, society. And what I would say to that Christian who's struggling is, God wants to give you a blessed life. You know, you have eternal life. Now live a life on earth with, with no regret. Live a life on earth that God can bless. And that's a life of obedience. And that's a life of, you know, following Christ and the word of God and, and beating back the flesh and, and not yielding to sin. And when you do, confessing it and, and getting forgiveness and, you know, live a life of blessing. So Christianity is good for this life and the next. You know, it's a blessed life in this life and it's eternal life in the next. That's what I would say. 
And, and the scripture that comes to mind for me, it, we talked about it on the last podcast that we did last week is in Colossians and talking about setting your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. And when we really focus, when we really focus on what eternity is and how important that is, if we focus on that and who everything that God is to us, you know, we'll, we'll get right back on track where we should be, you know, and when Christ becomes our life in that scripture, it says, man, there, there is no turning back from there. And it's just so important. The, the aspect of eternity and, and kind of to shift gears here um, more into, I know there's people that are listening uh, that, that are young, young preachers, my peers that will be listening. And, and, you know, they look, they look at a preacher like you, Brother Judah, that, that travels, that preaches all the time. I mean, you know, five, six, seven times in a week. And every time they see you get up, you know, it might not be a new thought, but I know that they, even if they've heard that message before, they can see that you have a passion. And I want you to talk about for a minute, um, how do you stay fresh as a preacher even if you're preaching the same thing or, or if it is a new thought, how do you stay fresh as well, a preacher? I think a key to freshness is to have fresh material. And so oftentimes, mm. you know, tomorrow I'll preach at the college in chapel. I have never preached the same message twice in college chapel. Now, I may bring a message mm-hmm. that I've brought to other places. I may not. It may be a totally new thought. But I've never, if you go back through, uh, it's always been a different message. Uh, Yes, a lot of times in a conference, I may preach something that I've used in other places. But when you preach five, six, seven times a week, you have to have new material. So the way you stay fresh is staying in the Word of God. The way you stay fresh is continually asking God for His blessing for that message. Somebody who's hearing that message, they're at a crossroads. And I need something fresh for that day. That I need a fresh touch, a fresh anointing, a fresh thought, whatever. But but that's how I stay. That's how I try to stay fresh. And I do try. You know, you, sometimes it gets stale. I mean, there are times, listen, over the years where it's like, man, I'm in that mechanical, you know, mode, but I don't want to get there. I don't want to be there long. And so I think the key to preaching fresh is just staying fresh yourself, personal and, and the constant reminder that this may be your last chance to preach. This may be their last chance to hear. And so, you know, this isn't a business seminar. This isn't a, a get out of debt lecture. This is the word of God. This is heaven and hell. And, and we need to remind ourselves right. of that. I think that'll, if that can't wake you up and motivate you, then uh, maybe, you know, you're doing the wrong thing. <laughs> you just got to be reminded of those. Yeah, and I'm reminded of what my dad said, and I'm sure you've heard him say it before. He would say, you know, choose spirituality over personality. And, you know, standing up in a pulpit, you can, you can give your personality and you should when you preach. You should preach in your right. own personality, but strong personalities, you know, they can, they can get up there and all they, all they give is their personality and there is no spirituality to it. 
And so it is, it is so important to stay fresh. And, uh, and last question I want to ask here is for mm-hmm. the whole church body. And that is many times I've heard pastor Wilkerson say there's two positions in a church, you know, the pastor and those that uh-huh. help the pastor and being a second man, your, your whole ministry, um, at landmark and now at first Baptist and Hammond, um, what are a few things that are very important, not only as, as a youth pastor and being on staff, but as a church member that you can do to help your pastor? Well, there's, there's, you know, I've been so blessed to work with your dad all those years. Now, Pastor Wilkerson, you know, it's funny, Pastor Wilkerson and I were talking about it today, but I have a strong personality. You know, <laughs> I have... I, I have my own ideas and opinions and leadership and uh, both your dad and pastor have allowed me, they've not tried to squelch that. You know, I, I don't know that I could have been a second man all these years if, if it wouldn't have been that way. So God absolutely knows what he's doing. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, but ways to help the pastor, you know, I, I do think of things like loyalty, you know, it's just, it is important that we're loyal. You know, it's important that we, uh, that we aren't critical, that we're with the program. Um, we're doing our best, you know, to make it happen. I think that's, that's a big thing that a people can give to a pastor. And the second man can give to a pastor is loyalty. Um, as they're in line with the Bible, we, we need to be loyal. Uh, I think just work and, and character and creativity and, you know, soul winning and all those things. That's, that's just, man, doing what we can in such a time as this, you know, and trying not to create problems along the way. <laughs> that's, that's what I think we can do. Yeah. And, you know, for those of you that are out there listening and uh, we're, we're wrapping up here on the, bo- on the podcast, but Brother Judah's had many times where, where he could have, he could have given up. There's a lot of circumstances that say he shouldn't be here. He shouldn't, he shouldn't be talking about being in the ministry for all these years and being a second man and be able to travel the country and preach. And, and for people that are listening, it, it's worth it in the end. It is, it is always worth it in the end. And, and I'm, I'm young and I'm starting out, but I can look at, at men like him and other pastors and, and preachers in my life that they didn't give up when it got hard. The days where, where we didn't know they were struggling, but they were, but they kept going. And and we can go through all of all of these the incredible story that Brother Judah has and from preaching from church to church. There's times of discouragement, there's times where you want to give up. But the thing that that helps me and will help other Christians for you in your life is yeah. you be that light. And and you know, I, I know that Brother Judah's life verse is let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. And that's, that's how I want to end today. I want you to to talk about that being your life verse and, and how important it is as Christians just to shine your light. And we've already touched on it earlier in the podcast, but you know, just to, to be a light in other people's lives. You know, I've, lives. Had, I've had multiple life verses. Um, some people have one verse that kind of sticks with them their whole life. And, and for me, I've had uh, three verses, three scriptures that God's given me through the years. But here for the better part of, of a decade, and maybe longer now, it's been Matthew 5.16. And it is just, you know, you know, Garrett, 
as a Christian, it is our responsibility to shine a light. That light's not always mm-hmm. going to be perfect. That, that light's not always going to be as bright as it could be. But it does need to shine. And I just, it dawned on me years ago that it's not about me. You know, it's, it's, about, it's about Jesus, yeah. people seeing Jesus through me. And they need to keep their eyes on Christ. And, and I appreciate the kind things that you've said. Um, but you know that I would tell you privately, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll say it publicly. You keep your eyes on Jesus. He'll never let you down. And he's never let me down. And uh, there's more mercy in him than there is sin in me. And so we have much to be thankful for. And we have much to, to brag about when it comes to the Lord. And so I just want my life to be a reflection. You know, they, they, they can't see Christ right now, but they can see the work that he's done in me. And that's what it's about. It, it's, it's about letting people see Jesus through you and, uh, and shining and being a testimony. Yes, we should, we should be a witness through our lips and, and through the words that we say, but we should be a witness through our lives. And that's, that's what it means to shine bright. There you go. And that, that's what it's all about. And uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Brother Judah. And I know this is going to be a blessing to somebody that listens. And thank you. Thank right, you for man. taking the time. Love you. We'll talk to you later. And uh, I love you too, Brother Judah. And thanks for listening on the podcast today. Hope you have a great day in Jesus.